This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. What's good, everyone? Alex Jeteris here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And with me, as always, my buddy, my personal pal, the man with the plan, the one and only, the one and only, John Malik. But before we ask John how he's doing, you know what it is. We got that call to action. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast and you haven't already done so, please make sure to subscribe. We're on all audio listening platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it. We are there. If you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to give us that five-star rating. And if you listen to us, on Apple, please make sure to leave a comment. We're also Lots of comments spon- on that YouTube, bro. Lots of comments on the YouTube lately. What? We're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're not part. Of, we're not there yet. Relax, relax. We're also sponsored by fan. We're also sponsored by Fansided and Minute Media. So if you want to go check the podcast out on the interwebs, go to the Daily Knicks and the Jet Press. As John alluded to, we're also on YouTube. Knicks coming, Jets coming, etc. Period. No one writes out, etc. That's just wild. Subscribe. Hit the notification bell. That way you know when a new episode drops. When you watch a video, hit the like button. Leave a comment. As John was saying, the last one with Corey Telebon, we got, we got a lot of comments. A lot of comments. Hopefully you guys give us a lot of comments on the, on the last Jets episode we did. Drafting three players to help turn this Jets team around, to solidify. Some questionable stuff. I go check it out. So first round was a little shaky, but hey, we, we ended strong. We ended strong. And then while you're also over there, we got another podcast, Winning Picks Weekly. John, video producer Greg, co-host, and our guy Chip Murphy. These guys go through every sport possible. NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, MLS. You name it. If it's a sport, put odds on it. These guys will give you their bets. Golf, Canadian Open. Chip's got, we got it all. We got it all covered. Savages. Savages. And then last and certainly not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. We are there. John, my man, how you doing today, bro? How you feeling? What up, man? I'm good. It's a it's a big night for New York sports. I feel like I'm on a, a broken record here, but I'm I'm really happy about that, right? We got the Yankees going, the Mets going right now, the Rangers, game four, pivotal one in Tampa. Everything is good. NBA finals on. I mean, it's just a great day. We got a great guest on talking NBA draft. I mean, the vibes are good, man. Nice summer day. Not cloudy, not too hot. Everything's good, man. How are you? I'm doing well, man. As you said, it was a nice sunny day. Went out for a nice walk to go get lunch. It was a good day, man. We, we did, we talked Jets yesterday. We got Knicks coming up. Draft is, is West is about two weeks away almost. Crazy. Almost. I feel it's like the like fast finals is, is going to be here for two weeks, but the draft is going to be here for two weeks. We had that game on Sunday, and now we got to wait until tomorrow. We're recording on Tuesday at, at 8.09 p.m. So it, they're giving them the break that they need, right? They're giving them the break that they need. But as you said, we got a phenomenal guest on the podcast today. I call him the Emmanuel Quickly of Nick's Film School because Mr. Macri found him. Steel, steel out in the, out in the webs, out in the world, man. They found this kid. He's a rising star over at Nick's film school. He's now the host of draft class. You probably seen him when he's co-hosting with Macri for the, for the mailbags. We got the one and only Chris Persiani and 
if you watch any women's basketball over at Fordham University, you can go see him be a broadcaster over there as well. Mr. Percy Einan, how you doing today, my man? How you feeling? Yeah, too much, too much. <laughs> I'm doing good. Excited to be back on the show. Um, I still can't believe the intro. It's a way, you know, like IQ, you know how I feel about that kid. So <laughs> very high praise, you know. Um, thank you all again for having me. And I'm excited to get to talk about some of these prospects because this is an interesting, I say it every year, but this is an interesting draft class. I feel like this one I see that, you know, trades for to trade up from 11 to seven. And I'm like, that's not worth it no matter what you're giving up, because I feel like in this class from six to like 14, you got like the same caliber of of prospect. And it's really just about who fits where. Mm. Um, and that's that's fascinating to me because I'm not saying they're all like so bad that you can't separate. them. No, you've got a lot of talented guys, but in so many different ways. And then it's really fun to kind of try to rank them order them mock draft them you know whatever you're doing it's it's been very interesting with this draft class so i'm excited to get to chat about these kids even though um many are older than me (laughs) and and, uh and i'm excited to be back on the show what's up yeah man it's definitely been a minute and and i feel bad when i was like i was looking through the archives i was like when did we have chris on last i saw it was like way too long i feel i feel I, I'm sure Don does as well. We, I feel terrible that we haven't had you back on a lot sooner. Nah, nah but that, that's too but, much. It's too much. But, but nah, man, gotta keep it real. But I want to ask you this question because since we're we're getting to draft, and, and you talked about this is an interesting draft class because the last couple of drafts, especially since you know for for John and I, since we've been covering uh, the Knicks, it feels like there's just a different label at the for the draft every single season. For like OB season, it was considered a week like. A weak class last year was considered a very strong class and last year that it's kind of holding up to the to the bill i mean we got jericho sims well close to the close to the end of the draft and he's a, he's a solid player how how would you rank this draft coming up because we get oh you can find some good gems in here oh it's a weak class oh it's a pretty strong class like it's all over the place and i don't know how to get that reward how would you categorize this draft class i think no matter what, no matter the depth, no, everyone always cares about the gems at the top, right? And and I I, I don't know, man. Like, I think I'd take Jalen Green number one this year. So that kind of gives you a sense of like, yeah, I like a lot of these guys at the top, but the kid that went number two overall should have gone number three overall last year would be my number one pick in this draft as a prospect, like prospect Jalen Green, not we mm-hmm. saw year one in the NBA. Yeah. No, as a prospect, if Jalen Green were in this class, I think I'd take him number one. So, yeah, I I think it's not star-studded at the top. I do think someone like Paolo, uh, you know, one of those big three develops into a a real big staple name in the league. But it's kind of like the quarterbacks, you know, like, ah, one of them them will end up (laughs) really great. But uh, the the, the famous vague answer, but not like – it's good. It's a good draft class. You're just not going to be sitting at seven, having a number one caliber guy fall to you because it's so strong. You know, that's, it's not an outlier year. It's a, it's an NBA draft class. That's uh, I would say solid with depth would be if I had to give it a tagline. Like I think you can get down to the second round or early second round and still, you know, like the Knicks love to do find guys that will return mid first round value. I think you can be in the late first round and find guys that will return late lottery value. 
you know, someone like Blake Wesley uh, might be on the board at pick 25 this year. And for me, I think, you know, in a couple of years, if the touch develops as you hope it does, he could be worth the 12th overall pick. It could be worth 14. And so, you know, like there, there, there's depth, right? But it's nothing crazy. It's nothing, you know, I'm not like saying, oh, the Knicks sitting at 11 are going to have a player fall in their lap that would go top three any other year. No, that's not the case. It's just full of good prospects. It always seems like the Knicks are like one or two picks away from the perfect pick, right? I mean, we always hear about it with the famous ones with Steph Curry, but I just feel like almost every single year we're one pick away from like, oh, we should have had that guy. But before we start falling in love with players, like like I'm sure last episode, if you tuned in, you know, with Corey, he had he's fallen in love with some players. Um, it's just it's just kind of the nature of the business. But before we get into that, it's important to kind of identify what we have, right? You got to identify the pieces that you have before you start going out and, you know, acquiring others. We started off mentioning IQ, comparing it to you. So we know you're high in IQ, but I've been saying that he kind of, I don't know, establishes the team, right? Because if he's going to be the starting point guard, then we don't need a point guard. You know what I mean? Then Then we're kind of looking for like a backup here. So... If he's going to be the, if he's going to be the sixth man, if he's going to be the backup, then we're obviously desperate at point guard. So what do you feel about IQ and his position on this team next year? And then if you could just identify, you know, off that, what, what do the Knicks need to do in this draft to be successful? I mean, you saw what happened last year. Yeah. You want, you, you're saying specifically what IQ, what he'll be. Yeah. Like, because I, th- I feel like that flows off each other. Right. So like, what I do you, think- how do you feel about like IQ and then. Depending on that answer, what are the Knicks' needs in this draft? The the Rose roll just keeps coming up to – that's what keeps floating to the top. You know, I, I keep throwing all the possibilities in my brain and jumbling them around, and the, that, that's what keeps floating up is, is just the Rose roll. I think – I don't mean to paint a grim reality, but, like, say the New York Knicks select pick a wing at, at 11 – Right, and they get a guard. Alondis Williams falls to forty-two, and and they get him. Um, I think Tibbs would start Derrick Rose. Like, I think he is so fine doing that, and and then bringing IQ off the bench in the Rose role, and say to close the game, Rose is telling him, "Bro, I am thirty-four, however many years old. Like, <laughs> I'm really trying to stay in this game. I think I'm about to get hurt. Like, you got quick. You know what I'm saying? So." Six man, but starter acknowledged by the coach as a starter caliber player from the six man spot. Um, I, I could see that being being what he does next season. Uh, I think in terms of we'll start with guards, like what the Knicks should do. Um, a way to put it that I've been putting it is if they draft Ty Ty Washington, I will see him as the third or maybe fourth best point guard in our system. So like IQ, I'm taking over him. Y'all know that. Deuce, I'm taking over him. Y'all know that after I spent all last summer campaigning for him to be a, a lottery pick, saying that he would be worth a top 20 selection in last year's draft, and we stole him at 36. I'm taking Deuce. You know, so many Nick fans like, oh, well, we can't prioritize McBride because he was only a second-round pick. How the far? Do you, how far do you think you're going to get thinking like that? Like restricting yourself, restricting the talent that you decided to invest in, 
because of how you were able to invest in it. And that's just, what are you doing? Right? Also, so, those same people want to assign Mitch to a Supermax, who is also a second round pick. So it, sometimes you got to just take it with a grain of salt. Exactly. It's like, why? There's how, I, I got told the other day that we have to pay Mitch a lot because <laughs> he exceeded his expectations as a second round pick. <laughs> and so to reward him for that, we have to pay up for him. Like, as his, like, I was like, Bro, what do you what do you think? You think they're handing out lollipops? I'm like, hey, RJ, <laughs> you got really good this year. We're gonna give you a pay raise. No, bro, that's not. Was, it's, like, it's probably what it's probably what people feel happened with Randall. You know what I mean? Because we could have kept him for one more year, kind of let him play it out. So, I mean, we I we kind of learned that from the Jamal Adams situation, where like with drafting oh a gosh. safety or paying for a safety. <laughs> Like we, everyone becomes jaded once you do something. So, you know, we paid Randall and everyone's like, oh, now we're just going to start paying people because they had one good year. Like, you know, now it's the, the, the post traumatic Knicks disorder is, is crazy. I, I've been told we have to trade 11 for Brogdon because Tibbs isn't going to play a rookie anyway. So why are we going to get? I really hate that. I really hate what that. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I really hate that. I really hate when I see that. I just get so angry. I'm like, yo, you, you do know we, he has played rookies, right? This is what and I'm it's saying. Like, it's like, it's just such a wild statement to make. It's like quick put average 20 minutes his rookie season. Obi was playing his rookie season, even though it wasn't a lot of minutes. He still got playing time. And that's a whole other issue, right? Because we got Julius Randle, so he can't even get many minutes. But then once Grimes entered the season, he was a lock in the rotation. He didn't even want, Tibbs didn't want him out. You're, so you're I, I just hate that. It's like it's like going online. I always say Twitter's amazing because people will log on and tell the world things about themselves that like no one ever needed to know. It's amazing. It's a free app. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> still, still, still free. And people will log on and like like we're just talking about really proudly be like I follow this team through New York Post headlines. It's like all right, well, <laughs> that's, that's that's it's reflected. We can tell, you know. Like I don't. Jeez, man. So, Shout out, Berman. Hey, I think I and listen. I defend Berman when when it calls for it. Like I'm just super fair with him. I I tell him directly. I'm gonna give you shit when you deserve it, and I'm gonna protect you from unnecessary shit when you're getting it. Because I think he's a. I think he's good at his job. I think he's very good at his job, and people under uh, underestimate that by you know being annoyed by him. I think he's very good at his job, and a, a lot of these reactions to his tweets are very intentional. So, you know, there are, <laughs> there are, there are ways to read his his tweets and get really good info out of them. I, I definitely respect him, um, but yeah, like I think that drafting a guard at eleven, whoever's going to be there, is just like not worth it, right? Because in my opinion. With at with the twenty fifth and thirty sixth picks in the last two drafts, we ha- got better guards than whoever we're gonna take at eleven. That's gonna be a, a, a lead ball handler. You know, I don't think I'm a, I'm very high. Uh, I'm not. You know, I don't think I'm very high. I'm, I'm just not. I'm not high on Dyson Daniels as a primary ball handler. I'm gonna be a little more confident with that take. I, I'm not high on him, uh, but I would love him as a wing. Right, like if he if New York drafted him and said we want you to be a wing with play with secondary playmaking chops, okay, I would love that pick at eleven. If they draft him at eleven and they're like you're our point guard, I would be a little concerned. So this is kind of me finding a long winded way to to land around. I don't think investing in a center. It's not general. I don't want to say no matter what, investing in a center with eleven is a bad idea. 
I think given who Duran and Mark will are, I would not invest 11 in those guys. Um, so I'll take it away. I'm taking a wing at 11 if I'm New York. I don't think they have to. I just think it's definitely going to be the smartest value play, no matter who is there, whether it's they're really high on Johnny Davis, even though you know, some teams probably have him in that 14 to 17 range. Uh, if they're really high on him and he's there at 11, okay, take him. Small wing, done. Tari Eason, you know, he might fall a little bit. If they're really high on him, take him. Boom, big wing, done. Not right? Like A.J. Griffin falls to 11. Okay, take him medium wing done you know like i i I just think that they should just camp out at 11 and just wait let the board fall see who's the best wing bet available if it's matherin i'm not a huge matherin guy i'll take him at 11 i'll definitely take him at 11 as a bet on on a wing that could shoot the rock uh, opposite of rj out there okay you know like there's a lot of good options at 11 and I'm willing to let the other teams determine what we do. You know, I'm not running in there being like, we need AJ Griffin so badly. Uh, yeah, no, is he my favorite guy out of any of those wing bets I just mentioned? Sure. Yeah, he is. I'm not trading OB and Dallas's first round pick to move up four spots to seven to guarantee myself him. Like that athletic trade had me wincing, yo. Like I just, yeah, it's not, that's what I was trying to say earlier. Like, the value in this draft from like six to like 14. It's just, these guys are all really good prospects. I, I'm not bending over backwards to move up four spots in, in a, in a year like this. So sit at 11, take the best wing there. I feel you. And, and to the people that we've talked to, that's kind of been the same response this entire for this entire draft class is that there's not in the range that the Knicks are in, unless you're moving up to go get someone. And we can talk about this right now, about, like someone like Jaden Ivy. That's someone you can move up to go get that you would trade assets to go get. But but outside, like for all the wings that you mentioned, there's not really anyone that you should go up to move mountains for in order to make sure that you secure them for your team. So since I mentioned Ivy and we have those rumors of, of trading up, like what, what, what do you what do you make of all those rumors of like the Knicks are, are looking to like you know, I, it might be the play of like trading with Portland first, get the seven and then move the seven to move up to four. So that way you can actually like, you know, make it more palatable for them. What are your thoughts on, on the Knicks trading up and all those rumors circling around? That would be very Aller-esque, wouldn't it? Move up to seven, move up to four from there. You know, I I, I joked like, oh, we got to call Portland, tell them we're all in on Jalen Duran, and we really want him <laughs> at seven. And they're thinking, Jesus Christ, these guys are idiots. Yeah, sure. Throw us uh, that pick and that pick and come get him because they don't care that someone's moving ahead of them for someone they don't want. And then you call Sacramento. Hey, we got seven. We're dying for Shaden Sharp at four. You know, we really need Shaden. He's Kentucky. We need him. We need him. You know, you take Ivy, um, you know, like so, something like that. Something super all esque like that would be perfect. Uh, I like to imagine them, you know, setting the smoke screens and Yada yada, but this is uh, Crispy's Crispy's version of draft day. Yeah, be <laughs> starring Leon Rose. Um, I, I I don't think that I don't think that they end up moving up, and the reason for that is I don't think the trade for Ivy, who in my opinion is the only guy that they would give real real shit to move up for. I don't think that that is going to scream off the page as value to them. I think they know that that's a swing that's going to 
You know, I, I made this like awful analogy on draft class, like to even try and swing at that pitch, they have to go buy the best bat on the market and that hit considering they might not get the homer. Like, I don't know if they'll make that giant bet. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think Ivy's the guy they would trade up for if they're trading up because what his skill set does for the rest of your young core is kind of not just fills the puzzle, but like lifts them up as well. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. he can improve the skill sets of our other players and help them be optimized and all that. So, yeah, like does IQ, Ivy, RJ, OB, Mitch or whoever really intrigue me. Yeah, yeah, it does. But for a front office so obsessed with value, so obsessed with winning every trade, I know the trades they're going to be willing to lose value-wise are the big swings. If they get a free agent and then they need another guy, they'll trade whatever they want to, whatever they need to for that other guy to have a completed team. But knowing that they're willing to be so aggressive later on makes me wary of how many assets they're willing to just dump out now, right? You know, the Stepien rule, you trade a couple of your own first and all of a sudden you're locked in to not being able to move any. Chicago couldn't make any in-season upgrades last year because they needed so badly to pay DeMar DeRozan $30 million a year that they gave up a first-round pick, a second-round pick, that, you know, like they got really sticky with the Stepien rule and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, this Bulls team is as injury-prone as we thought it would be. They need help. Oh, we have Kobe White. Like, I don't know. That's not, it's not tenable, right? So I'm afraid of a situation like that and that's why I think they are too because they think of everything and if I'm able to figure this out, that means that they were talking about this in January and that Brock Aller has already been all over trying to lay out the plan for these next couple of years. If they're going to swing, it's going to be a big swing. Trading up for Ivy certainly would do that, but I don't know if this year is the year it happens. Uh, Sacramento doesn't they're at least putting up a really strong front that they're not moving down from four. So mm-hmm. I, obviously that's them, you know, maybe just feeding team reporters, local radio guys, trying to get them to spread that out there, that they're not going to move that pick and that they just want to take the best guy available because that would match up with Ivy. Right. But I don't know. I, I, Sacramento I is such an, happening. Sacramento is such an interesting team because I don't know what, at that <laughs> point, if you have Fox, Davion Mitchell, Jay Nivey. That's just confusing, man. I mean, who, who Mitchell's your sixth man or, or you start Mitchell and Fox and, and let Ivy run the bench unit to start. But it's like either way, it's just odd. <laughs> yeah. I, Ivy would probably be the perfect fit, uh, for Detroit though. I'll, him, him on Detroit next to Cade and that young team. That'd be a fun, that'd be a fun team to, to watch. That'd be a week. That'd be a good week pass team to watch all those kids. But speaking about all the other, uh, speaking about moving up for eleven, moving up from eleven to try to go to four, you know, we know that the Knicks are looking at. They've already, you know, we were talking about this beforehand, and I, and I want to get your take on this. They've been looking at Malachi Branham, Dyson Daniels, Ty Ty Washington. Like those are all the reported uh, players that that we've heard from from the New York uh, beat reporters. And then, we, you know, as you talked about. Before the show, we had Terry Easton that we found out through the Washington uh, Washington reporters that he worked out for the Knicks. So, wh- wh- what do you make of this entire thing? Because the beat reporters didn't get Terry, then didn't find out that Terry Easton worked out for the Knicks. 
And we had to find it through essentially back channel reporting to see, oh, Knicks are interested in Eason. Cool. Cool to know. Yeah, there was nothing linking the two. And then, you know, he's got a whiz backdrop behind him talking to the Washington media. And he's like, yeah, I worked out for this team, this team, New York, this team, this team. Like, just threw it out there. And that's kind of been the only way. We're going to find out about who's who's worked out with the Knicks. I remember last year, just at the Combine, um, watching all the interviews, trying to see who mentioned that they worked out with New York. That, you know, because, again, the Knicks, like, remember who runs them, right? Like, the PR master runs this team. <laughs> so everything is going to be dressed up. Everything's going to be hidden. Everything Like, they know exactly what they're doing. The guy that picked Mitchell, you remember the the story. If anyone finds out what happened in this room today, you're all fired. Uh, the the Jazz GM saying that to all his his coaching and scouting staff. Like if anyone finds out what Donovan Mitchell just did in front of us, the Utah Jazz, before draft night, and he's not on the board at 13 because one of you guys leaked this. I'm firing the entire staff. Like that yeah, that guy, Walt Perrin, who's who was, you know, what the the guy who like really wanted Mitchell, he works for us. Like, yeah, our team knows what the hell they're doing when it comes to mixed messaging. Um, which is why I found fascinating that as it kept coming out, who had been working out with the Knicks, first it was Ty Ty Washington, Kentucky guy. Obviously, we were gonna work him out. That was news to nobody. Dyson Daniels. We knew we were working him out. He's he's in our range, you know, people saying his agent really pushing that he'll be gone. Top 10, you know, so, yeah. And then Malachi Branham, that's when I really started thinking something was up because Raphael Barlow went on the Strickland pod and, and Prez threw me this bone before the pod came out that Branham was having bad workouts, that he wasn't impressing teams, that... Yes, he's young and there's a lot to work with, but he wasn't going to come in as, as maybe who they thought. Um, and that doesn't sound like a New York Knicks draft pick, right? New York Knicks mm-hmm. draft picks, since we've hired Leon Rose, have come in and been able to fill a role. And then they can grow more than that. They can grow into filling a bigger role. They, but they come in and they're able to fill a role. They The New York Knicks pick guys that can come into the league and fill an NBA role from day one, even if they're not excellent at it, Deuce McBride, point of attack defender, bring the ball to court, dump to Julius, or barely initiate. He's he's like the the barely point guard. Quickly, came in, shooter, right? Spark plug off the bench. He filled that role. And now he's getting a little bit of a more of the reins, right? He's getting the ability to try and fill the role of primary ball handler. Obi, Trevor Ariza, right? Like they just had him standing in the corner. Um, that's a role he filled and he was bad at it. So they changed it and then he was good in that starter role. Yeah. Like Brandon didn't sound to me at all. Like someone the Knicks would take given that information. And that's when the rug got pulled out in my brain. And I came up with my theory. Oh, there's just letting the media talk to all the guys. They already decided they're not taking. Um, that's what I'm rolling with because first of all, it would be very Leon to do that. Second of all, the concept of throwing these prospects that they don't care much about to Berman and Bondi and all these guys. Like, yeah, you know what? Just sick them. Go have fun. Is also really funny. Uh, and then <laughs> also, yeah, like I think it adds up. <laughs> I think it just genuinely adds up that they would keep 
their favorite cards close to the chest and kind of bleed a couple on purpose, make people have a false sense of security. You know, you have to make some prospects available. Um, yeah, you know, so I, I, I think that this is their way of maneuvering and that that uh, they, they have guys they're interested in. They're not letting the media see them. They're not letting the media ask them a thing about how everything has gone. So, yeah, you, that was that was my theory. So, like, not only is it just protecting the players, because you mentioned, like, for, like, Walt Perrin, not, like, how Walt Perrin was at the Jazz, with the Jazz, I should say, and he didn't want anyone to figure out, but Donovan Mitchell. But do you think this is also a way to just, like, raise stock of other players so that way someone that they want also falls to them as well? Do you think that's also that? That's also in play. I'm I'm sure they've considered that. They know the second they put a guy out there, a million tweets are going to go out. Nix this guy, (laughs) Nix this guy, Nix this guy, Nix this guy. So, yeah, like it's uh, it's calculated. I think that that's my theory is that this is all calculated, and I think it's a good one because everything this front office seems to do is very calculated. So yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not scared to go along with that to run with that working theory it's kind of one of the reasons why i like this front office even though their free agency has been uh, a little lackluster but everything else that they've been doing has been been pretty on point so john you got, you got anything this, that I, I love this front office yeah, yeah. Front, it's been it's been it's been a one a one i i mean we're, we're talking a lot about what leon rose would do what kind of players uh, would he draft? And, you know, we've we've definitely been, again, like kind of a juxtaposition between the Jets and the Knicks front offices is we're, we're kind of starting to get a feel of which kind of players that they actually draft and what they're actually looking for, whether it's high character, whether it's being a team captain. Uh, you pointed out for the for the Knicks, it's fulfilling a specific role, not really that all around player. So give us like three names right now. I mean, I, honestly, like to be like to be honest with you, Chris, AJ Griffin has been our guy. Like before you came on, uh, you know, I was I, I labeled him as I think he would be the number one game changer for the Knicks. Alex said that would be his. We need a wing, and you know that's the top wing. And you're on the same page. We know from all your draft stuff, but we're not trading up for him. And pretty much, he's not going to fall to eleven. I mean, we could pretty much guarantee that unless something crazy happens. So you're sitting there at eleven. What's the ideal draft board? You know, a, a realistic and I let, let's call it realistic, but also ideal for you. Like, all right, you're like, we can work with this if you're sitting at 11 and you're Leon Rose. So, what I think they'll like, have, what, what, what do you think what, is what I would, what I would give them? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, before knowing how the draft is going, just telling them, telling me, telling the Knicks three guys that they should look out for. Yeah. Like, don't uh, worry about it. Like it can, it can go crazy, but these three guys, like two, two out of three will be here. And if you take any of these three guys, like we're, we're, we're gravy. Like, don't worry about it. Don't trade up. Don't trade down. <laughs> like just chill out, <laughs> take this guy and we're going to be good to go, go for this year. All right. So number one, I'll go AJ. Uh, I think I, you know, when mocking him, I've been wary of like, my first mock draft I did, I New Orleans passed on him because they've already got a dookie with injury risk. Um, so, you know, I've been like trying to think about where I mock him and yada, yada. We can afford that, right? Like we're in a position as a team where we're taking those kind of swings. We just traded a first round pick for Cam Reddish and it made sense with where we are right now. Uh, 
I think he should be our number one target at that point. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not scared of that. Number two, I'm gonna go Tari Eason. Uh, I think maybe he'll definitely be there at 11, but he's someone that they are, should be interested in. And I think will be interested in at 11. Um, I talked about on my latest lottery big board for like the draft class lottery board that his workouts aren't going exceptionally, but that I don't really care. And yeah, I'll, I'll double down on that. I'll put him second and number three got, you know, guys that, all right, I'll go Jalen Williams because I think I would be fine if they took him at 11, uh, which is a bit of a hot take. I think a, a huge jump from just like, from like, I don't know, a month ago. Like he was a yeah. second round pick a month ago, right? I, I he's marked at twenty eight right now. You know, I, in some I, drafts. I bought the the buzz the second the buzz started. I looked into it, and then yeah, I I bought it. <laughs> you know, uh, I I think he's legit, and I think he's legit with the ball in his hands. I think he's legit as a scorer. I think it's not very easy, but there is a clear path to him being a star level player, which yeah, that's uh that's a fine pick with the 11th overall pick in the draft. I'm not freaking out over taking that guy at 11. So, yeah. you know, because you said realistic, yeah. I think two out of the three guys will definitely be there. Eason and, and Jalen Griffin target, you know, zero, but <laughs> one and two, we could be Tari and, and Jalen. I, I really like that kid out of Santa Clara, Jalen Williams. We were again, uh, Corey Tullibo was also giving some high praise for, uh, for, for Jalen Williams as well. Yeah. What do you like about Jalen Williams? Because he, you know, this is, you're the second now, like you're the second guy within two weeks talking about Jalen Williams. So what do you see from <laughs> Jalen that you really like about him? I got to say the, uh, all right. Like someone picks up an instrument and they sound terrible, but. There's like a little something, you know, that that artful, natural feel. Someone picks up a, a pencil, does a drawing, and it's bad because it's their first time. But there's like, oh, how do you think to do that? You know, there's little things that are like, hey, Jericho Sims, you might not be, <laughs> you might not be an expert at this right now, but you're doing stuff that demonstrates that you could be really good at this. You know that for things that are art. Like a game, like the game of basketball, like physical art, like there's a natural touch, a natural feel to it. And I think Jalen Williams is very artful. I think he's very much like that uh, with the game of basketball. I think he has a natural feeling of what will work. And that is super important. Someone like Evan Fortier is a better shooter than Jalen Williams might ever be. Jalen Williams right now probably has a better idea of how to handle a double team than Evan does at age 30. It's just like this guy is naturally doing shit that 10-year pros have not yet figured out. He's making passes mm. that I've only seen Luca like to make. No, that's not a Luca comparison before someone tweets at me. <laughs> Hell no. 
We're clipping that, by the way. We're gonna but we're it, gonna leave the second part off. But crop <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it right. Yeah. You just you, you take my voice and take out the not. Uh, that is a Luca comparison. <laughs> but the uh, start uploading like a doctored clips on me. Nah, but he's, he's doing shit that like I've only seen Luca do. I'm not saying he's gonna be Luca, but I'm saying that to do that, you have to have at the age of 18 a really fucking good idea of what it's like to be a good professional basketball player. And since he's never played professional basketball, it would indicate to me that that same natural feel that clicked on the court in college is going to click on the court in the NBA and that he's going to find his way quickly to being productive. Defensively, yeah. man, look at that wingspan, right? I was about to say. We're talking wingspan. a lot of odds and circles to say wingspan. <laughs> like there's a lot of different nah, ways. I'm talking, about his, I'm talking about his instincts, which is separate because guys can have all the wingspan in the world and be idiots, but he's really comfortable out there and he has the, the, the measurables to go in the lottery. I know because he's a late riser, relatively, that it's uncomfortable it's to, to mock him 11. Yeah. But I think if I'm sitting like as an NBA team at 11 and say, you know, Chepow, Jabari, Ivy, Sharp, AJ, uh, Keegan, Eason, Mather, and Duran are all gone. And that is 10 or 11 guys. You know, like I'm sitting there at 11 or 12 and Jalen Williams is on the board. Do I want to? Develop Uzman Jag. Do I have time for that? Do I have a center already? Do I want Derrida Williams? Do I need shooting? Can I bet on Sohan? Yeah, this this Williams kid is starting to sound like not too bad of a pick there at the eleven to twelve range. I. All right, I'll, I'll throw I'll throw you guys a bone. I'll get out a I'll get out a hot take that that Nick's Twitter might want to <laughs> light me up for that like. If Jalen Williams just ends up better than Dyson Daniels, I'm going to be the first I told you so guy. Like I, I'm going to be so unsurprised. Do I have Dyson above Jalen on my big board right now? Yes, I do. Yes. Yeah. However, I've got Dyson that high as a do-it-all wing with creation upside. And if a team like Washington drafts him after a year, trades Beal, says, you are our guy, take the ball every play, I don't know if he's going to develop into the player that the more specialized player that he could be at that off ball role. Right. So yeah, I could see Jalen Williams ending up better than him. Say, say Jay will gets to come hang out with the, the Knicks development staff, which, you know, we know they're investing into and Dyson goes to a team like Washington, which is not famous for bringing along young players. You know, they've got like three wings. They just drafted kind of just chilling, sitting around like Denny showing flashes. Kispert exists. Um, Hachimura. <laughs> Hachim- Hachimura is actually my favorite of those three, and I think yeah, I agree with that. Not that good. So it's like, you know, Washington. I'm not. I'm not trying to shit on it, but like, it's not exactly a place where flowers go to bloom. And I think, say, Dyson goes there, and the New York takes Jalen Will at the next pick. Like Jalen Will could have a better career. So again, back to my initial point that I said before we started recording. After we started recording, again now. <laughs> The value is like really even to me. So I'm like, you know, like uh, uh, trades like where the Knicks are giving up something real to move up four slots. It's just like, tell me you haven't scouted this draft class without telling me you haven't scouted this draft class using OB at a first round pick to get up four slots. 
geez, man. Like people, people saw that trade. They're like, oh, we have to do it. This absolutely makes sense. What the hell are you talking? This is not the mix of days past where you need to have the highest pick possible because otherwise the front office will screw it up. They just gave you two years of a million dollars worth of game for nine ninety nine, and you're sitting here <laughs> looking at it like, yeah, but what if they fuck up now? What do you mean, bro? Let them work. Let them cook. Let them, <laughs> let them rock. Jesus. Rant, so are you, rant, rant over. Are you taking Are you taking Williams over uh, Branham or Mathurin if they're there? Ben, you have to bet on over Jalen because of the athleticism. Personally, I'm a Jalen guy, yeah. uh, but Ben's going to be higher on my big board because the the plethora of paths that he has to go development-wise, so long as the common denominator of his defense gets serious, yeah, I think you can turn him into a very special player uh, as a development staff, but he does need that work. Branham, I'm, I'm definitely going Jalen Williams over Branham, and I know Branham's young. He's like 18 and a half right now. Um, but man, especially for the Knicks, I think I'm going Jalen Will. I think Jalen Will can contribute day one easier and then also develop into a better player. So I'm taking him short and long term. And the Knicks kind of tend to think in both, at least consider both. So yeah, Jalen over Brandon would, would be easy for me. Okay. So I want to talk about one more player because it's a player that we haven't discussed really on this pod yet. It's, uh, Curry Eason. I, I just want to know your thoughts on him and what type of player he is, his prospect. I know he's, you know, was he played power forward at, at LSU, right? So and he, I, I think he moonlighted as a as a five there too. Okay, um, the occasional look where something was allowing him to technically be a five, but yeah, power forward is is right. I, I think, and there's like some intrigue of him being capable of playing the three, right? I think that's the, the other aspect because he's a long, he's a slasher, all of that. That's kind of, you're thinking about an off-ball guy next to RJ, yeah, right? Yeah, him, him playing the three is like the people that say Obi should play the three if they were right. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know, like uh, the, he could actually do that. They're like, oh, well, Obi's athletic, so he could do that. But the lateral athleticism just isn't there. Finally, Johnny Bryan took him to do hot yoga. We'll see if that gets better. Um, but I was definitely one of those guys that was begging for Obi to play the three instead of the five. People tell me to play for Obi to play the five makes me want to throw up, but I, I could have swallowed, you know, the prospect of him being a small forward. But, but well, we technically we, did. He technically did. Tim's just stuck him in the Jay Crowder role. That's, that's basically <laughs> what, what you were thinking, I think. So, but the, but the other thing for John too is that he likes to, he likes, he likes teams that play big. So he likes how Cleveland works where it's like, Massive, like massive. I see Laurie, even though Laurie's taller than Obi, he's a little more fluid moving, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's yep. all about it's all about defense when you're looking to do something like that. And Obi just would like think about how we're in a league where guys like Will Barton are playing the three. Yep. What the fuck is Obi Toppin gonna do out on the perimeter match? Like, yeah. like Will the Thrill is gonna have a pretty sick mixtape from that game if he Will the if Thrill. He, if he, <laughs> if he has, the Knicks, if, by he the has way. if he has Obi matched up on him on the perimeter, that you're not gonna see Will Barney. You're gonna see Will the Thrill. So yeah. Stop. You know, hold on, where's that nickname coming from? I have not heard that. That's his. That's his nickname. Ser- what? Oh Will man. The thrill. That's what oh you're gonna get. God. You put Obi out there on the perimeters. Will, Will Barton abuses the Knicks. So basically, 
Atari, yeah, I think he's got a shot, but I'll just deploy him as a four and letting him fuck shit up. If I'm a if I'm a coach, man, like what to, to talk about what I see him as, like I'm letting him fuck shit up. Like he's going out there, he's open from three, bang. Go get, uh, open from three in the quarter, hard closeout, one dribble, one step, Kawhi ass, space jam ass dunk, boom, bam. Like I just <laughs> you, it, it, he, there's there are paths to him being really good that you can see and project because of that athleticism that I don't even think Obi has laterally. Like Tari has Kawhi sized hands. He moves like a giant, but he can run. Like it's like if a if a giant took like a, I'm trying to think of like a like a video game power up that allows them to just like move like a tiny character all over. Like yeah, like that Tari is kind of like funny. I I was on upside swings and I was talking about uh, Atari OB front court. I just kept saying it would be funny. Like, imagine those two guys running up and down the court every play. Like, <laughs> that's uh, that's, kinda, a, that's kinda, athletic. That's fun. That's kind of <laughs> funny, man. Like, just think about your four and five being Obi Top and Atari Ease is just offensively and defensively just out beasting dudes. Like, yo, like that would be amazing. Uh, and they also both kind of run funny. So that's why I said it would be funny. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Tari, I just, you know, think about him on a team. Uh, instead of the Knicks, I'll I'll throw him on a scenario where you can imagine my role for him a little better. Like, think about him on a team like Memphis. God forbid he falls to 22. You've got John Morant driving in the paint, initiating offense. You've got Desmond Bain spacing the floor. You've got Zaire Williams defending into a long wing that can create a little bit offensively, is giving you that Cam Reddish deflection defense. You've got... Tari and JJJ locking down the paint, but Tari's moving all over because he can move like that. He's like, uh, he's like the Bobon of free safeties, right? Like dude's just like hilariously gigantic for what he does. He's going to be playing on defense. Like not the Robert Covington role, but when Portland traded for Robert Covington, the role they, they the role they thought he could fill, <laughs> which was the clean up all of Dame, CJ, Nurkic, and everyone else's fuck ups role. Uh, yeah, Robert Covington. No one in the league is good enough to cover up Dame, CJ, and Nurkic's defensive fuck ups. Thinking Robert Covington was going to be was mistake number two. Um, but yeah, like the free safety of the defense, right? The guy who, yeah, he has a matchup, but. He's so often getting in those other passing lanes. He's basically just guarding three guys at once, no matter what, whether he wants to or not. <laughs> and that length and those instincts, because I'm not just trying to gas Tari's measurables. I'm not just trying to say, oh, he's supersized Roko. Like, he's really smart defensively. He's really good at getting those hands, those big-ass Kawhi hands backwards in places they have no business being and just grabbing the ball and going on. Like... <laughs> Dude, it's like he's got magnets on his hands. <laughs> the ball's got one inside <laughs> of it. He's just like, scoop, you know, that's mine now. Pass down the court. Yeah, I, I, I could just picture Tari finding Obi 90 feet down the court because Obi already leaked out and Tari got a steal he had no business getting. And he just, you know, like that. Yeah, man. <laughs> so JJJ locking down the paint. Tari, free safety. You got Zaire also, length, locking down the perimeter. And then you got John Bade. Bane taking the point of attack, maybe being a wing defender, switching off, whatever it is. Like that's a little more easy to picture than 
Walker, Fortier, RJ, <laughs> Randall, Eason. You know, I don't, yeah, that's that's just. Uh, yeah. I tried to paint a picture where it's it's easier to see, and imagine Eason fitting in that Grizzlies future starting five. Like that is a perfect fit for him. Someone who doesn't need to do offense to to stay on the floor. Like someone who doesn't need to be creating plays. Like he's just hitting open threes. He's taking guys off the dribble when they over jump on a, on a pub fake and he can get to the rim. His length allows him to hop, skip, jump through the lane and stretch out and lay it in, you know? Yeah. Like this is a kid where I always bring it back to lottery tickets. I always bring it back to lottery tickets. You're coming to the table with a lottery ticket. How bad do you want to walk out with the with a ten dollar bonus? Like you, <laughs> Ochai Abaji would be cool, right? But you're trying to win the hundred grand, right? Like, and and you're not in a position as the Knicks where this isn't your last ten bucks. You know, this isn't your last ten dollar scratch off ticket. You can get another next year. You've got Dallas's next year. You know, like you can afford to. Go big or go home with these lottery tickets. Put it in the the raffle bin that you've actually forget if you've got a chance to win. Like you could see a universe where whatever you win, whatever prize you get, like is an Xbox you're going to use every day. This analogy is going totally off the rails, but <laughs> my point, like that's why we get. Just, that's why we have you on the pod, Chris. Don't the analogies. Go, don't just go get a fucking hair dryer because only four other people entered that one, and you think you're going to win it. And then you end up with the with the hair dryer, you, you know, like I guess like good Mother's Day gets. It's like no, dude, go for the fucking PS Five, right? Like go to where, like the go for the go big or go home. And and the Knicks are in a great position to do that. And I think that this specific PS Five would be one that they would use really, really efficiently, effectively, productively. Yada yada would be absolutely worth it. So that's the raffle I'm entering. If I'm them, is is I'm going big. I'm going for AJ Griffin. That's swing on him being mini Paul George. If he's that, you get what I'm saying? Like, take yeah. those big risks because we can afford it right now. Uh, All right. Next year, if we're in the lottery again, do you think they're going to be like, well, you know, Uzbek Jag would be a great pick this year? No, right? Like, no, we they're, they're going to start. Oh, we need sure things. We're going to take this guy. You know, five picks too high because we can't we're be sure in the lottery he, next year, bro. Don't even put that energy out there. We can't. We just can't be in the lottery. I'm telling you, man, if they are because they swung and missed on this pick, that's one thing, right? But say they went safe this year and ended up back in the lottery, then what the hell did you go safe for? We're in a position. We were safe this year. We can keep. And I get that point because since we're not in the top four, right? We already got, we already like hit. On uh on two drafts last year with all the players, and especially if you know baseline, someone like AJ Griffin, if like AJ Griffin can at least be three and D, like a solid role player in that exactly. aspect, exactly. That then you, you still later, win, yeah. And but if you could be in, more than that, that's the win. He can come in, fill a role for Tibbs, and that's the now. And then the later is we know he has the upside to be more. So you know the, the now and later part I think is real for New York. Someone like Dyson, if they don't buy his shot, what's his role year one under Tom Thibodeau? Alec Burks that can't shoot or dribble as well. Like I just like what's his role, right? No dribble, no no pen, no dribble penetration. He's just kind of like Maxi. Who, who, Dyson? Nah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, nah, Dyson doesn't nah, have the dog in him. Nah, 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 nah. Oh I can say he's he's more he's more to me. He's more of like Alonzo Ball connector type of guy without Boom. without the shot. Boom. 
Boom. I, I think I like Grimes as a cop better than, than Maxi. Ma- Maxi's like, Maxi was reminding people of Eric Bledsoe's defense coming out of college. Eric Bledsoe's defense coming out of college was a real thing. And, and he had that, he's got that bulldog in him. Like he doesn't, we were just wrong, that, right? he doesn't just got that <laughs> dog in him. He's got the bulldog in him. Maxi is the hard nosed. will go beat the shit out of you. Dyson is like, I don't know, man. He's all right. All right. He's just not a fan. Just not a fan. I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, but I think Alex likes Dyson, and he still don't see, he doesn't see it either because it's like well, I, Alex. Alex has Alex has a, a lot of feelings towards some players, and he thought he could you know get away with this episode not talking about Ty Ty, who he's been off of. No, you this. can't. You can't tell me Ty Ty. <laughs> exactly. So he. I mean, we just we develop feelings on players. I think Ty Ty is going to be pretty good in the NBA. Um, I also there's a couple other players that aren't really. Um, I would say that popular, like Dale and Terry coming out of Arizona. He, he has the wingspan. He was pretty good. So do you feel like just say they don't swing or say we trade down? Like uh, are, are players yeah. like Terry the, the or players down. like Caleb Houston? Like, do you think those players would, would, would affect this team? Terry? Yeah. So Terry's someone I can see them liking if they move down. We, they, you know, like we know how the Knicks operate, right? They've, they've shown us at this point. I think last year's draft is an amazing example of it. Who did they like? Duarte, <laughs> Zaire, your boy, Murphy, <laughs> Trey Mann. These are four guys we knew, whether before or after, that we found out they liked in 19. Um, I know Zaire was their number one pick. If he was there in 19, they were going to take him and run. Memphis saw the same vision, which is why they moved up to 10 for him. <laughs> uh, Trey Murphy, one pick, or no, two picks before us. Trey As Mann, always. one pick before us. So what did they do? Duarte uh, went to the Pacers. What What did they do? They they found out their next tier of guys. They knew they loved Grimes, McBride, a couple of these other guys. They just moved out and went to go get them at Valley. So they have guys they like. They're They're ready for this, man. They're ready for all their guys to be gone. You know, they know draft boards can shake out however many ways. I just said on Twitter the other day, because someone responded to my mock draft. They were like, creative, interesting, but probably unlikely. <laughs> I was like, thank you. And yeah, because mock drafts, I compared them to like splatter art. Like, you know, like you, people just take paint and like and see how it lands. It's going to land once. And it, the way it the way it falls, the next time you do it, it's going to be completely different. But the way it landed, everything's connected. You know, you threw the paint, and everything. Oh, this this one fell there because that fell there, and that dripped and connected because there was paint under it. Like it's going to be different every time. But each one is a. It's like you know, Doctor Strange is one reality. Like each each mock draft is a different one of those multiverses. Like. You kind of got to just project a reality and, and, you know, one pick being wrong could make five other picks wrong. So, yeah, it, it's tough, but not with uh, it. It's definitely uh, I'm, I'm still thinking about Ty Ty, man. Now you got me side. You got my brain in the back. Just cooking. Think about Ty Ty Washington. And the, no, I, I, negative I, thoughts, I, positive I thoughts. I don't want them to take him. I don't want yeah. I don't, you, you just it's because he's I, too I, he's too redundant, man. He's too redundant to quickly It's because how I feel about quickly induced. But yeah, it, anyway, with their guys like say they trade down, I can see Ty Ty being one of their guys in a trade down. 
I don't think they take him at 11. Say they move down to 19 and he fell to there. Okay. I can see the I can see them walking away with him at that spot and being like, this is value. Because I do think Ty Ty is going to have a good career. And I like him. I just don't like him as the 11th overall pick to the New York Knicks who already have two guards in their system. I personally consider better. You know, I, I just try to go along with, with that um, because it doesn't make sense to draft a guy that needs on ball reps that you're not planning on giving any. So yeah, that's why, that's why I wouldn't, I wouldn't take him if I were us, but no, I could see them trading down, having a list of guys. I could see Dalen Terry being on that list. Another guy who I could have seen being on that list uh, who actually is no longer in the draft is Turk Turquavia mm. Smith. I, I definitely saw him being someone that they said, you know what trade down. This is a swing. That's worth it. Because if he goes back to school, he might go lottery next year. And he went back to school and he <laughs> might go lottery next year. So, yeah, you know, I, I just, it's all, it's all about value. Value is the word I keep coming back to with this front office. Like, would they have taken Grimes at 19? Yeah, they were, they loved him, right? Tibbs loved him. They saw that scrimmage at the combine that they know he hooped. They know the shot was real. They were impressed by his willingness to admit his failure at Kansas and move schools and change roles, you know, that's a next guy, but they didn't take him at 19. They basically made Cam Reddish appear out of thin air and still got the guy that they were going to take at 19, which when you look at it that way, isn't as annoying as when the people, they took a first round pick and traded it for a nothing burger first round pick that then they dumped on Cam Reddish to get whatever. Oh my God. I remember that one. Woo. I remember that one. Remember when the Cam Reddish deal was like the signet of the front offices and attitude? <laughs> like this was like the anti-Leon guys were parading this trade around. Like, it, yep. this is proof yeah. we suck. This is proof we suck. I'm like, yeah. you guys are unreal, man. Like, so yeah, <laughs> I, I I can see them maneuvering in a way where they get someone like Dalen or. I'm trying to imagine another player they'd like have the hots for that they'd trade down for Jalen Williams, Jalen yeah. Williams, you know, Darren Urban was his coach when he went seven for eight from the floor, 19 points and an assist at that combine scrimmage. Mm-hmm. He was being coached by a Knicks assistant and, and his other game where he played, I think he went five of eight and his other game had like 12 points again, coached by a Knicks assistant. Uh, if you go to the combine and you take the combine really seriously, as you showed by taking quickly and as you showed by taking Grimes, this seems like the next guy in that line. So I don't know. I can see them moving down. Say uh, Cleveland at 14 really has it out for Johnny Davis. Okay. Johnny Davis. Cleveland really wants Johnny Davis. They've, I'll they've be okay with trading out of Johnny Davis. They they've determined he was he should go top seven in this draft, and he's sitting there at eleven. They're at a point where they just can't pass up on the value. I can see the Knicks saying, Well, we would take Jalen Williams here at eleven. So let's tell them we really want Johnny Davis, <laughs> get them to pay up, go back to fourteen, and just take Jalen Williams there. Screw it. You know, that that's something I could totally see happening. I, I made up Cleveland that they're interested in Johnny Davis. Sure. Um, but yeah. You that know, seems realistic. I, I, honestly, that seems realistic because I, they I do boxed, have bigs. I, I they do Johnny have bigs. To them. So I have a mock draft coming out. I want to say tomorrow, my next, my next, my oh. lottery mock 2.0. All right. 
I'll spoil one for you guys. Johnny, Johnny was the Cavs pick at 14. I do like Johnny Davis. He's like, he, so personal, like he's my guy. Although I think for the Knicks, he may not be the greatest fit, but he is like one of my favorite players in this draft. I love him. I have him over Matherin and that is like a cardinal sin to some people, but I'm just, yeah, I agree. I'm betting. I, if, if I'm, I always try to think, okay, like last year, I thought from a very upside based perspective. That's how I ended up with Sharif Cooper at eight on my board was I have no job security tied to my big board. And I know that. So I'm going to take swigs. Yeah. And there's no consequences. Cooper, right, Alex? (laughs) I'm sorry. I was talking about Sharif Cooper, right? I mean, we know he had that buzzer beater and then it was like, oh, I told you. (laughs) Respect Sharif Cooper. future, Future G League legend. Uh, and future contributing NBA point guard. So I'm going to wait on him. He got drafted. (laughs) Drafting Sharif Cooper, if you're Atlanta, is so... Could you imagine the Nuggets in this draft being like, we need Mark Williams? (laughs) Yeah, or like Chet Holmgren. What the the hell are you going to do? You're going to trade him for Chet. What the hell are you... No, Chet, Chet, they could play at the four with Jokic and have the greatest white front court of all time. Like (laughs) that. That would be that would be different from taking a guy who's position locked at the five and being like, we need him, despite having one of the best guys in the league at his position. Trey is position locked at the one. Sharif is position locked at the one. So no matter what, when they drafted Sharif Cooper, he was getting at most 12 minutes a night. You know, like, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> um Teams are funny, man. NBA teams they are, are funny. funny. I mean, look, we had the GM for the Hawk come out and said, you know, I regret bringing everybody back. So we all know that that's interesting. And that's why I also don't want our front office being out there. Just be like, this is our, this is our thoughts and ideas. It's like, no, we don't need that. We, we, we don't need that. But Chris, you gave us like all your, 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 your picks and your scenarios for the, for the first round. What about the second round, man? Give us like the one guy in the second round that you're high on that you'd hope the Knicks take. Stacey Patton, no, not him. Has, <laughs> he has he has sold me on a guy. However, uh, with the you're telling me you're not taking Stacy uh, with the a forty second pick. Select <laughs> Stacy Patton, point guard, <laughs> Twitter.com. <laughs> um, no, uh, Coloco, man. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm in. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with Darren and Williams because you guys know I have to do everything in the most long winded way possible. Um, <laughs> Darren, man. All the upside is there. I think there's a little too much upside being perceived with him. So I don't know. Let me give you guys exactly where he is on my board right now. Is he in the late lottery on my board right now at, at number 12? Yes. Um, do I think <laughs> he's a top seven pick like KOC does? No, right? KOC has him at seven on his board over a lot of other guys that are really intriguing that I just wouldn't take over him. So I like Darren, but I don't love him. Mark Williams, I think, is right under him on my board. Literally the spot under on my board. And in mock drafts, you know, this this mock that's going to come out soon, they're going to be pretty close to each other. Um, I don't see there being a huge gap in where they get taken. But again, I, I, I love his athleticism. I love his size. I love his upside, his skill. I do like the little descriptors on my mock drafts and big boards. You know, Johnny Davis is a, Intensely defending bucket getter, something like that. Intense, <laughs> love know, it. Like Mark Williams, I've got two words: skilled giant, because that's it. 
That's it. That's it with him. And I oh, think okay. that's, that's the whole pitch is the rim protection. You know, is going to be there. The guy could stand still reach up and grab the rim and pull it down. He has a nine foot nine standing reach. I think we know the rim protection is going to be there. The skill and the, the size that's the sell for me is, is what he could do with the ball at that size. You don't think he's going to be some hub, but he could maybe get the ball and whip it short roll pass and, and create a shot that someone like Mitchell Robinson kills me when he never does, because despite the size, despite his natural feel out there that he demonstrates, it's like he has no feel for passing at all, you know? So Williams really intrigues me in that regard. Now we make it to Coloco, who is being mocked too far below these two guys. Like if my, my thing is, if you are super high on Durin, the way the consensus is, mm-hmm. and you think Williams is okay, whatever, the way the consensus does, you should also think Coloco is like, okay. You should you should have him below Williams, but close. Um, but people don't. People are super high on Durant. People are pretty high on Williams, and then Coloco is just kind of like floating out there in the second round, kind of like on his own wavelength. But I I think that people should be higher on him. I think that there's a, a distraction in Durant and Williams. And people are like, oh, the two centers at the top of the draft. Yeah, and then there's the second round guys. They've kind of let how the media talks about these guys shape their opinion completely of them, which, you know, I, I'm always going to root against. I love people coming up with their own shit. And uh, you guys know my thoughts on, like, the whole talking head industry we have going on right now. Y'all saw, I hope you saw Stephen A. Smith. Ah, oh, we're, geez. Jeez. I hope you saw... Stephen A. Smith, who is a basketball fan, he is a Knicks diehard fan. Supposedly, I'm you guys, no, I'm telling you guys, <laughs> Stephen A. Smith is a diehard Knicks fan. He, I, I, I'll go out on a limb for him and say he cares about this team the way I do. But he knows what he has to say to keep those paychecks landing. And when you put that strategy up against people who actually intend on making it seem like they know what the fuck they're talking about, you make him look really stupid, right? And that's kind of like how discourse is right now. Is like people just kind of being Steve. They want to be Stephen A. I'm taking Kyrie Irving over whoever, even though, you know, all right. <laughs> okay. You know, like it's like it's Jesus. You know, everyone's just <laughs> screaming their own takes from the rooftops. <laughs> Uh, like you know, the the Bo Burnham inside, like everyone wants a stage, you know. And then social media is just <laughs> like the biz, like corporations' response to the public demanding their own stage, you know. So why do you think shit like Spaces is so big, right? Everyone wants to come on there and act like they're Kevin O'Connor who gets to go on Spaces and actually talk about source shit, you know. Like I, I just. I love it. I love that we all talk about the game like this, but well, we could pull this facade away. That like we're all geniuses and that we can all just kind of admit none of us know what the fuck we're talking about and we're all trying to figure it out together. That's mm-hmm. like a lot more appealing to me. So that's a, that's a side rant there. But um, yeah, no, I, I just think that the, the discourse has been split too much on the centers and that I've got Coloco, you know, I'm not going to say he's right behind the other two on my board. There are a bunch of wing bets, guys like Alondis Williams I'm going to take before Coloco. But first round, yeah, like he should be there for people. So 
say he's there at 42, you, you take him and run. Again, someone like Alondis Williams, someone for me that should be that it should be in people's top 30s. If he's there at 42, you take him and run. Uh, a center like Kamagate, I'm not as intrigued, but at 42, you know, maybe you trade back to this is I I don't think like I know for a fact the team that has the 48th pick and 52nd pick is not the same team. But like if you have 42, you could trade back to 48 and 52 and grab Kamagate at 48 and trade 52 for a future second and just like punt it. Right. You get your guy, but you do it in the Aller way where you get you have to win the transaction the way Aller always wants. Yeah, like I would be chill with that, too. So definitely guys in the second round that I think are worth first round picks. I will say, though, that I'm not enamored with this draft in terms of the guys that are supposed to be second round picks. So besides mm-hmm. my my couple favorites like Trevor Keels, like Alondis Williams, uh, like Coloco. Uh, these guys I'm, I'm shouting out here who I think are not keels, but who I think are first round caliber guys. Um, if they're there at 42, yeah, that should be a good pick. Cause that again, for the eighth time, this podcast would be value for the Knicks at that spot. And I, I keep coming back to that because that is ultimately what seems to drive them. You know, they, they're, they're always picking guys, Good guys, good locker room guys, hard workers. Mm-hmm. I say on draft class, I love my psychos. The Knicks seem to love <laughs> theirs, you know, our, our basketball addicts like quick. Um, but it's all about value, right? They got quick at 25 because they tried trading back up for Maxi, couldn't do it, didn't want to overpay, decided we'll just sit at 25 and we'll take quick. You know, like they, there's a, there's a plan for everything. It seems, which that's what I love about this front office. They continue to impress me with. Yeah. That's what I love about this front office. There's like a plan for every single scenario. And you can tell that that's where you see they have the, the right people making decisions when it comes to like, and that's why I love their, their draft process by this front office has just been knocking. They knocked it out of the park the last two years. I'm expecting to do it again this season. And, you know, we've, we, we outside of, I think, Obi Toppin, who was like reporting, and it's like we know the Knicks will Obi Toppin, and that's the guy that they got. Everybody else, there. like even yeah. even with Obi, it was rumored they were going to trade up to five, right? Right. right. And what did they do? Everyone and their mother's dog walker knew that the New York Knicks had interest in Obi Toppin. What did they do? They sat on their asses right at eight, and he fell into their lap. Yep. Even then, there was value there. So it's like. Yeah, you're spinning. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's why I love it. And so, like, we, we, but the thing that, that, that's the only guy who I feel like that we knew that they wanted. Like, everybody else, like, they liked in their workouts. And it's just kind of like, oh, Grimes. Oh, McBride. Oh, whoa. Like, I, even taking Rokas was just kind of like, that happened. And Jericho Sims. So I'm, I'm not, I like everyone that you, you talked about. I'm, I'm just like, I'm wondering which direction the Knicks are going to go this, this year because I feel like they have, like, as you said, like they they they're planned for everything, and it's like, all right, which plan A to Z do we want to choose for this year's draft? And that's what I'm waiting to 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 unfold, honestly. Their, I think their plan is not having one. I think their plan is just having 26 plans. You know, they're yeah. ready for everything. They have like, if again, this is just like my literal fan fiction like they have like you're gonna write a book on (laughs) they have have an imaginary giant (laughs) file cabinet and it's like if charlotte calls and tries to dump us hayward 
if Portland calls and wants to move down from seven. If they've got the whole order of operations for the whole offseason in a manila folder for every single outcome. Like, they know who they want to sign if they trade up to seven and draft who they want there already. They have that ready. Remember when Steve Mills and Scott Perry got lauded for having a plan B? Like, oh, good they lord. Just, they, seemed, <laughs> they, they seemed to have a plan B, and it was like, oh, they were prepared to lose out on Durant. And, or, no, the fuck they weren't. They just attached, like, hundred dollar bills to paper planes and we're like whoever catches one is signing with the Knicks like it was it was ridiculous right nah this front office has planned A through Z and then A1 B1 C1 D you know they've got everything ready and they've got the subcategories of subcategories and they're just they're nuts which is why I love them which is because I think they're all insane like I think Aller is an insane person if you can (laughs) sit you can sit and legitimately tell me like the pros and cons of like having Trendon Watford on your roster and you're, <laughs> and you're not a Blazers fan. Like who the fuck are you? Like, what do you do in your free time? <laughs> Aller is insane. You know, like that guy is insane and he's an insane genius. You want those people on your side. You want Walt Perrin on your side. You want Alex Klein on your side. You want William Wesley on your side. Like these are all, I feel like the Knicks front office and we were putting it together. Every fan base was like, shit, that's the one guy we couldn't lose. <laughs> and that's who we took from each yeah. team. Utah, Cleveland, OKC. We got Frank Zanin. We took their assistant, whatever. And we made him like our player personnel. Like, we just yeah. filled roles with, it seemed to be like the heart and soul of every front office. Like Kenny Payne, right? Look at Kentucky the year after he left. They were having player meltdowns and uh, it was like uh, it felt like a summer camp, Kentucky. Like kids went to a sun. Didn't feel like a home. That's when I realized, you know, who made that place a basketball home? It was not Coach Cal. It was Kenny Payne. Just like all his former players said, it really was him. You know, like I, I'm sidebar. He's going to be ridiculous at Louisville with as a fact. <laughs> with so Bill speak at, well before we get you out of here, and since you brought that up, the sad. Betting odds as Macri posted with Johnny Bryant and the Utah Jazz. What do what do we think happens? What's what's quick quick thoughts on that? I really hope that Johnny Bryant doesn't leave. Um, I would like him to be the next head coach. I I know Tibbs isn't going to be the the coach for for a long time for the Knicks, and I'm looking for more of like a setup for Johnny Bryant to actually like take this team over, not in turmoil. Also for me, like if Johnny Bryant took over this team now, that means you think that this roster is good enough to actually done a lot better and could potentially go further. And I just, Which they, th- were. <laughs> <laughs> they, they could have been a play team for sure. This team could have yeah. definitely been playing team for sure. But I mean, I the think numbers, the numbers show that they played like six wins worse than they had to, which one win better or worse is like usually negligible. Two to three is like, okay, they're either definitely underperforming, definitely over, when it's five in either mm-hmm. direction, that is either a gigantic credit or a gigantic state of shit on their coach. Either that coach has the play five wins above expectations. Wow, he's got them hooping, right? Look at um, Taylor Jenkins, his first first year with the Grizzlies, right? He kind of came out of nowhere and people were like, oh, the Grizzlies are actually playing some good basketball. This is cool, mm-hmm. right? The Knicks were playing five to six wins worse than they should have been, which 
in any like that is the side in the NBA that you have a shit coach. Uh, <laughs> do I think Tibbs is a shit coach? No, but yeah, he really made it look like it. So no, he really it was really like. There's a lot. I mean, there was a lot of things that go. I mean, you have Randall. I'm not gonna go down. I feel like we keep going down that whole list of like everything that goes into it. And I'm not trying to do this. It's been a good vibes podcast. But <laughs> anyway, I want Johnny Bryant to like. I would rather have Johnny Bryant like in position to like succeed. Like, because I, I just don't see Tibbs as the the guy who's taking them over the. He's he's a good culture setter. After that, he'll set the table for you. But as we're seeing for like Golden State, Boston Celtics, Toronto Raptors, you need somebody who knows how to push the right buttons to get the more the most out of your players. And I think that could be Johnny Bryant. So hopefully he doesn't leave. Hey man, Fordham basketball just <laughs> uh just had a big thing last season. Had a new head coach. Uh Kyle Neptune, lead assistant over at Nova. Uh he came, accepted the Fordham job. And after one year here at Fordham he reached a round of the A-10 tournament that Fordham hadn't touched since 2009. He made a really big impact here in his first year. You know what happened at the end of his first year? He brings in a recruit class that is just it's Fordham's best since 2007. Mm. This guy, Kyle Neptune, has set himself up for a stud second year at Fordham. Do you know where he's going to be coaching? Villanova, because they came, dropped a fat-ass check on us, and took him back home. So there's your glimmer of hope that if we do lose Johnny Bryant, that if, like, I don't know. The concept of someone, especially someone who's black, choosing freely to leave New York City for Utah um, (laughs) is not one that rings out to me as likely, considering the reputation uh, and the reality out there of that fan base. And uh, this is not meant to, you know, be just shitting on people from Utah, but like, we know what it's like up there. Um, but even if he did make that choice, I think the Knicks got the bag to drop on him. If he's really their guy to bring him back, say after a year, Tibbs goes and they want to bring back Johnny from Utah. I think that's not out of the question. So would it be messy? Absolutely. Right. But Villanova just did it. Villanova just lost an assistant to a to a smaller team that was that that gave him a head coaching role. And then when their head coach, when it was time for him to go, they said, "Screw it, we got the money. Let's bring back our guy." So yeah, could I yeah. see the Knicks doing that? Especially after you know who they just hired to be the the G League coach is like Johnny's guy, right? Mm-hmm. So do you hire a G League coach? You know how pissy Tibbs is about this stuff. Like, Berman is still writing how Tibbs is upset that Wesley forced Payne, Bryant, and Woodson onto him. Like, he's still, Berman still writes about it in a nasty way, which is how you can tell Tibbs is telling him that he's still not happy about that. Um, yeah, like, it's kind of the same situation, right? Lost the, lost the, the big, important, future looking assistant to a smaller team that gave him the head opportunity. Because you had a guy who's a you know just going to be a staple in that position. All of a sudden, his time's up. Where do you pivot? Look right back home. Look at your guy who you had set up. And, and yeah, Johnny having that G League coach in is is a big thing for me because seeing that makes me think. Well, what if they go with Will Hardy? Because Johnny's just ultimately telling them, "Listen, man, I got a really good setup in New York, and I'm the guy." 
uh, going forward because we know Tibbs isn't lasting there forever. And it looks like he's not going to last as long as we even thought because of how he's doing stuff. I don't think I could, I could swallow leaving that just for Utah, which I might leave again after a year. Like, I don't know. I, I think yeah. he was there yeah, I, and, I don't and think, left. I don't know. He's running. Wanna run. I don't think he wants to run and go back. Yeah, I don't think it's a city thing. Uh, I, I think it's more of a team culture thing. Uh, I think he, he had seen enough with Utah. That's why he wanted to move on. Uh, he knew the writing was on the wall first night. Like that, nothing changed from uh, his perspective when you know from this news. I mean, I, he probably saw the writing on the wall. That's probably why he left. He probably sees the writing on the wall with a two hundred fifty million dollars center with Mitchell wanting to leave with all this turmoil. You know, I, it doesn't seem like the perfect fit for a first time head coach, a la a Fordham coach going back to Villanova. <laughs> you know what I mean? When Jay Wright steps down, like this yep. is a whole different ball game. So I, I agree with your sentiment. Uh, I, I know why the odds are like that, but I don't see Bryant going to Utah. But before I get you out of here, uh, I know we went off the rails here. I just kind of want to end. Um, we talked a lot about second round picks. We talked a lot about Nick's culture trends. And we got this kid, Etienne, coming out from Wichita State. Is he going to end up on this team? Another, another Ron Baker? Oh, man. Um, our boy, our boy Cornette holding them down the NBA finals for Knicks fans, right? right. Yeah, <laughs> respect, down the stat. respect Luke Cornette, man. That's, <laughs> that is, like, I don't know. P, I, I'm sad about us not still having Luke Cornette in, like, a very rational way. But if there was going to be a player that I was like full, like you guys know, I fucking love Frank Nelikina. And yet I'm not (laughs) on Twitter writing swan songs every day that the Knicks didn't resign him. Like if there was going to be someone I did that for, it would be Cornette. So let's respect Cornette. First of all, Uh, (laughs) come on. Nothing was better than that. Mitch and uh, Cornette, uh, uh, Mitch's block party. (laughs) Cornette broke the records, baby broke. He he broke the three point record for Wichita state. Yeah. I think that, Etienne, man, that is an intentional workout. Like guys in that range, they're not just working these guys out for no reason. Uh, But I will also say that there's a reason that all the clips of them saying, oh, it was a competitive workout, yada, yada, got pushed really heavily. Kind of seems like the Knicks brought these guys in for the workout of their lives, like the time of their lives. And they go tell their agents and all their friends, Hey, the Knicks are really cool. This, um, bringing Ty Ty Washington out to dinner. Like remember when West brought Kyra Lewis out to dinner and everyone thought that meant we were drafting him. Yeah. Like, no, they're just trying to show these guys a good time. doesn't <laughs> surprise me that they would include Ty Ty in that group. Cause he's a Kentucky guy. They want to show him a good time. They want to make sure he has a nice pre-draft experience. They, they look out for their Kentucky family. Um, I, I wouldn't read. It's tough to, to say Etienne specifically. I would just say in general, don't be afraid to look at them working out a guy as a favor to an agent. Don't be afraid to look at them working out a certain guy as a favor to a school. You know, like th- this is a thing that teams do. Um, and the Knicks are very much in a position to benefit from raising their perceived, you know, quality of, of experience as a player with them. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think that I'm not going to say anyone that they work out in that second round undrafted range is, you know, a lock to be a Nick or anything because 
a lot of these guys, they're just showing a good time to get a good graces with their agent, to get a good graces with their coach at school, whatever it is. Um, they want, they want their coaches telling their guys, Oh, it would be great for you to go to the Knicks. You know, they, they want that perception built up. Remember, say it again. Remember who's running this team. All about value. All about value. And it's all about James relationships. Dolan. James Dolan's running it. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think some of the Dolan conversation right now is absolutely insane. Like the fact that people are still bringing him up as the reason that players don't want to be here. It's the stupidest, like, it's the stupidest you, thing because just watch the rain. on. I was going to say, you could turn on your TV and like two out of the seven nights in a week, like just accidentally stumble upon evidence that James Dolan can run a successful team. Um, yeah. I, business. Yeah. People it's, are crazy, it's, man. it's, People just love uh, blank talking points, man. I I have to come out and say that, like, no, it's because we fucking suck. That's why no one signs here. It's not because it's not because of the guy that's cutting the checks. It's because we fucking suck. Like they have me, a Nick fan, screaming from the rooftops that the Knicks suck. I feel like such a loser, but it's like you guys are literally making me do this. Like it's not <laughs> it's not the guy cutting the checks, bro. The Nets owner. Don't even get me started. No, 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 no. The Nets owner had a business partner go missing and no one talked about it because he spoke (laughs) out against the Chinese government. That guy cutting the checks is totally fine. Like his best friends just go missing and get like taken. That's totally chill. Like he's he's a cool owner. But the guy who lends his private jet and what? Oh, wouldn't dare receive 30 million a year from him. Couldn't do that. Give me a break with like the the sudden morals for these billionaires. They're all dickheads. We know it. Let's just <laughs> let's on just that and on that <laughs> note, that's a good place to end. And on that note, Chris, thank you for coming on the pod, man, and giving your your, your draft knowledge. Please let the listeners know where they can find you, man. Oh man, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter.com, Chris Percyon.com. Spelled spelled as funnily as you can imagine. So, you know, it'll be it's linked on draft class. There you go. Go check out draft class on Nick's film school, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube uh, for the video. And my Twitter will be linked there as well. So throw me a follow if you do not already. And you enjoy things like the Knicks food, some Star Wars talk a little bit. You know, just try to I try to be myself now. I feel like I started out like being like a 17 year old that really looks like he's trying to be a reporter recently i've been a little more comfortable being myself so yeah that'll, that'll be my plug is my twitter and, and my show that thank like you guys it. again for having me on and you of course got, man did, did you design these i uh from from nick's film school were you part of that i remember you were going yeah off. i yeah. did the uh you know the shirt like the big 15 shirt yeah that, okay. that was that was my graphic yeah right. so nice i respect John for for rocking the KFS merch because I was coming oh, on today. We got the little maybe, got the maybe it was a coincidence, baby. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Let's go. That's, that is, that I did not see because you had the camera cutting that off. Let's that go. is fire as hell, my man. But yeah, <laughs> thank you guys for having me on. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in. And uh, this was a, this was amazing. It was a great time. Thank you, Chris, for coming on. And to our listeners, you already know the drill. You know where to find this podcast. We're on all audio listening platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, all this, you name it. We are there. Listen to us on Apple or Spotify. Please make sure to give us that five-star rating. And if you listen to us on Apple, please make sure to leave a comment. We're also on fan size. You can find us over at the Daily Press. Daily Knicks. I'm sorry. Whoa, Daily Press. Woo, Daily thinking about Daily Superman. Press. Jet Press. <laughs> thinking, thinking some Superman right now. Thinking about DC. DC Comics. Because <laughs> I saw Teen Titans today on my timeline. I'm like, 
I used to run. I used to rock that show a lot. I used to rock, rock, rock that show a lot. I love Same that five, show, bro. I, me too. So make sure to, we're on the Jet Press. We're on the Daily Knicks. If you want to go over to the fan side and go check us out there, we're also on YouTube, Knicks Jets, etc. Find the page, subscribe, hit that notification bell. That way you know a new, a new episode drops. Leave a comment when you watch a video. Hit the like button. While you're over there, we got another podcast, Winning Picks Weekly. John, video producer Greg, our guy Chip Murphy, co-host Chip Murphy. These guys go through every sport. Make sure to go check them out if you want to place some money on the line, if you want to bet on sports. And hopefully Chris Persiani, our guy, goes over there and gives him gives some odds and some takes. We got a draft coming up, some prop bets. So hopefully he's able to jo- join there as well. And then last and certainly not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, we're there. Thank you again to Chris Persiana for joining us today. We'll catch you later. We out. Let's go Knicks. Let's go Rangers. Let's go Yankees, bro. Bases loaded. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love GM. Yeah, you and Greg. <laughs>